Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Guy. I understand you are halfway to 88. Conrad, thank you so much. It is my birthday today. I'm looking forward to another trip around the sun. Well, while you consider your trip around the sun, let me read your horoscope to you. Not brought to you by ChatGPT. There may be a rather confusing element to the day, Capricorn. You're tempted to act, but some of the pieces seem to be missing. It could be hard to make a decision since you don't have the whole picture in front of you. You're better off spending this day outside with a group of friends rather than trying to make any major life decisions or commitments. There you go. Don't do anything today, Guy. Just go outside. I will do nothing. Do nothing. What else besides my 44th birthday will we be talking about today, Conrad? We've got the news. As usual, mergers and million-dollar payoffs. We are going to go over, as promised previously, the CallRail 2023 State of Legal Report. And speaking of ChatGPT, we are going to follow up. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of progress since we last talked about ChatGPT. We're going to follow up with what we've learned about ChatGPT, SEO specifically, and how this might be changing the game. Mr. Lockwood, throw it to that beautiful lunch hour legal marketing theme song. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, your bi-monthly destination for keeping your firm ahead of the marketing curve. Let's do some news. All right, Guy, there was a merger announced last week from some friends of ours. Lawyerist and Affinity, yes. talk to me about this. This, this. this has turned into a larger corporation. I don't want to say corporation, but it's moving in that direction. Two great legal consulting companies, Lawyerist and Affinity, coming together. We have lots of friends at both companies. Yeah. If you don't know about Lawyerist and Affinity... I would check them out. I think that they are uh, they're providing a very valuable service to a lot of um, solo small law firms on, in, in a variety of contexts. Yeah. And uh, congratulations to them. I think that that's a merger that will deliver a lot of value to their communities. Yep. Well played. Well played. No new segment would be complete without a mention from Google. The December 2022 link span update is complete as well as the helpful content algo update. So if you've seen variability in your search results, that's, that might be why. Now is the time to start analyzing. And keynote, you probably won't have enough data to analyze this conclusively. That's yeah, I think the big date there is it was January 12th was the uh, official announcement. In fact, I saw uh, Barry over at Search Engine Roundtable just announcing there might be another update, but... Point being, you know, these updates come out and, and Google publishes some of them, doesn't publish others. This one they particular they did publish. So January 12th is the key date if you're looking for a place to measure from in your analytics and search console data. Okay. Of course, it's a really unhelpful time for you to do any analysis because website traffic to law firms in December, super weird, not typical, right? So you have this weird cyclicality, which is why I say probably 
you're not going to have enough data to do anything conclusive. How's that for us not being helpful? All right. And finally, you want to make a million bucks, Guy? Love this story. Joshua Browder, do not pay on Twitter, offering any lawyer or person a million dollars. One million dollars. Who has an upcoming case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court to wear AirPods and let their robot lawyer argue the case by repeating exactly what it says. And, of course, uh, no comment from a Supreme Court. Uh, although I understand, and Gizmodo covered this too, that's uh, one of the places we saw it. Joshua, I think, has indicated that he's gotten a lot of interest from federal courts and courts of appeal. And I love this story. We're going to talk Chat GPT today, which Do Not Pay is at least partially built on, I believe. And, uh, you know, this is the future, folks. This is exciting. I know there's a lot of people that are like, this is nutso land. But, you know, I think this is the direction we're going in. You know, uh, AI-assisted lawyering, it's already been a thing for a while, despite people's fear and uncertainty of it. So follow that story. Super fascinating. Which brings us now to some kind words delivered by Hunter Garnett, our good friend Hunter Garnett on LinkedIn. And I, I told Hunter, too, on, on the post, they really made my day with this one. So here's what Hunter has to say. Constant improvement is an automatic path to success. Small gains add up. This week, another attorney asked how I learned about law firm management operations. It's 90% from podcasts. Love it. I'm constantly listening to podcasts. My favorite is Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you're an attorney or law student, you should listen to every episode. When I started my law firm, I listened to every single episode over the course of about three weeks. Now my routine is to listen every Saturday while I enjoy a morning coffee or breakfast. See, we should change it to breakfast hour legal marketing. Podcasts are an extremely simple way to expand your knowledge. Hunter, thank you. As I mentioned, this really made my day. Thanks for listening. Folks, if you're a regular listener and you have something nice or mean to say, please let us know. Hashtag us, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. It truly does make this all worth it. And with that, let's take a break. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. Hey, Guy, I've got sitting in front of me the 2023 
CallRail Outlook for Law Firms, the marketing outlook for law firms brought to you by our very good friends at CallRail. I want to go through some of the data here and get your opinion, starting with their number one underperforming channel, which you are not surprised about, but I suspect much of our audience will be, and I suspect you have some really good insight into why. The number one underperforming marketing channel is email. This according to the survey respondents for the Colorado Report. Why, first blush, that seems to surprise me. Why do you think that is the case? There's two reasons. Okay. Reason number one, most law firm email marketing stinks. Firm newsletters that no one cares about that look like they were built in 1985. They're boring. They're all about the law firms. I mean, maybe if they send them to the lawyers at the law firm, maybe they do better. But no one wants to read these really boring, dry firm news updates. But there's another thing going on here. Because remember, this is being reported to CallRail by presumably lawyers and their maybe their marketing people. And that's that they don't even know how to attribute. They're, how, are you even, how are they even measuring their email, right? Are they measuring... I doubt that many of them are measuring, you know, some kind of case acquisition or even clicks from a URL or a call tracking number. And so they're, you know, they're they're look, they're looking at this survey from CallRail and CallRail's like, "What's your most underutilized, your underperforming marketing channel?" Well, we can't really do any attribution to email, so it must be that one. That's my hunch of what's going on. All right. So interestingly, that that was another piece of data that came out of CallRail's report, 65% of law firms, this this kind of blows my mind. 65% of respondents said that they didn't know what metrics to track and measure. And I know this is a point that we have- Yeah, that doesn't blow my mind at all. Beyond belabored, right? Like we talk about this all the time, but I'm gonna push this to you, Guy. What should we be measuring and tracking from a marketing perspective? Uh, volume of cases, Cost per acquisition of a case, maybe cost per acquisition of a consultation, depending on what practice you're in, volume of consultations. I think over other wait, not time the bounce frames. rate. <laughs> How about impressions, Guy? Ah, <sighs> oh, man, you're making me so sad. Sorry, I don't mean to make well, you sad on your birthday. I will say this: I'll give you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to be positive, Gee, constructive. You know, impressions. For branded search queries, that's a good indicator of demand generation, right? More people yeah. searching your name. That's good. Yeah. Okay. I like impressions Fair. there. Okay. We've talked about good brand way to affinity, measure if, not just brand, brand affinity. Yeah. yeah, right. Ideally, it's something you're getting seeing impressions for your name is such an amazing lawyer. <laughs> or I love Conrad. That's I want to be able to query. hire Guy. Um, I'm trying to turn into Conrad. You can go to Google Search Console to get that impression data. So it's there for you. That, that might be a good thing to look at. Okay, the next, the big point on this, and I, I was not surprised by this, but, but one of the big points coming out of Carlos' report was, I'm going to read these two different points. 97, 97% of law firms who use pay-per-click said it is too expensive 76% of firms say they would spend more money on pay-per-click if they had the budget. <laughs> so I don't know who's running your marketing here, but that doesn't really make sense. Guy, 
I'm curious, th- this has kind of led to a couple of questions that I've been fielding from clients and people on the interwebs. Should we be pulling out a pay-per-click now? Is it just too hard to play in that game? What's your What's your take on that question? It's too expensive for many firms. There, this came up on uh, in um, Maximum Lawyer on Facebook too. You know, these lawyers are sharing their like, their cost per acquisition of cases from pay per click, which you know, we could do a whole segment on all the problems that 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 thread demonstrated. But at the end of the day, it's going to vary wildly from firm to firm, right? So you know, even down to the cost per click. So. A lot of lawyers don't know this, but accounts with more history, better performance data, yada, 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 click-through rates, they actually have better quality scores. They pay less per click. And, and you're, even at the account level, you'll see it even within uh, campaigns. The second and, big thing, but, sorry, though, is... But can you go, go into ahead. the why of that? Because it's important to understand, like, oh, just because I'm bigger, like, why are they paying less per click? And you mentioned quality score. Go into that. Yeah. Well, we could do a whole segment on this, but the TLDR is if you've got a long-term history, remember, so this is what I'll give you my cynical view. It's not cynical. I think it's just true. Google makes 99% of its money from people clicking on ads. Uh, most, many of, I don't know if it's most actually, a lot of them are search ads. So therefore, Google wants to make money because they're a publicly traded company. And so they want to show ads that are getting clicked on the most. And so if Google has data in your account that says, hey, this account with these campaigns, this advertiser, their ads tend to get clicked on a lot more than their competitors do. Let's show more of them. So that measurement that I just articulated there is called click-through rate. And Google's like, hey, if your click-through rate's high, we're going to give you a better quote-unquote quality score. There's other factors in there, but for the gist of this conversation, click-through rate. And therefore, we're going to give you a discount. So if you're doing lots of volume of highly clicked-on ads, Google loves it because they're making they're making the uh, cash register ring, and they're going to give you a discount because you're making them money. So they'll give you a lower cost per click with a better quality score, primarily driven by click-through rate. But anyway, back to this conversation about you know PPC and it being expensive and yada, yada, yada. It's not apples to apples. And here's the other big thing. If you're looking for incremental growth, you know, you're a big national firm or you're the dominate the market firm, you want to capture anybody who's searching for a car accident lawyer in your location, probably your state, unless you're regional, whatever, wherever you practice, you want to capture every single click, you're willing to pay an incrementally higher amount for those cases. If you're a, hey, I'm a solo and I'm looking to have a handful of cases under my belt and you're turning away a lot of cases, a lot of consultations, a lot of, you know, qualified leads, your cost for acquisition is going to go through the roof. And that was one of the things that was actually mentioned in this thread when everyone's like, oh my gosh, your cost per acquisition of a case is $4,000. And the lawyer themselves said, well, yeah, we turn away most of the cases that come through anyway. Right. Well, don't do that. There, so you have to, again, so it's there's not a blanket statement. You got to do the math for your own firm. And it's going to vary from one firm to the other. And so this, trying to even compare, I mean, I get the desire to want to know, hey, What's a good benchmark for cost per consultation? Well, I don't know. You know, are you a national advertiser? Do you have a historic, you have a long history in your account? Are you doing volume? 
Um, right. Or are you looking for like that needle in a haystack? If you're looking for a needle in a haystack, I don't know. Search, you're going to spend a lot of money on search find in that case. Right. And and one of the difficulties with pay-per-click, of course, is that the rarely, occasionally it happens, but rarely do those search terms that the end client is inputting indicate whether it is it is that needle in the haystack that you can go after, right? So it's very rare that the user inputs trucking accident lawyer with catastrophic injury, right? Yeah, right. I'll bet a lot on that. That'd be great. But usually right. it's the same as personal injury lawyer, which is the same thing that the guy who slipped in front of your house typed in, right? It could and just be lawyer. It could be lawyer. Lawyer right? near me. So yeah, exactly. Like lawyer near me could be someone looking for that catastrophic trucking accident, right? And so to your point, Guy, my take is those firms that are volume firms and are willing to accept more cases, you're going to be more likely to do well in the pay-per-click games. Those firms yeah. that are extremely picky and lots of you, lots of you guys look at yourselves as being a better lawyer because you're very selective about the cases you choose. Well, great. The problem is we can't use pay-per-click to help you be really selective about the cases that you choose unless you accept a very, very high cost per client, right? That's right. Um, and that's the balance, and it's difficult. Okay. And, and yeah, if you're ahead. getting unqualified leads through... Refer them to another lawyer. You know, if you're if, if you're bidding on lawyers near me and they're coming through for DUI and divorce and you don't do that, make some friends with some other attorneys. And in, in, uh, in some contexts, I know you can't get paid on a referral. I don't off the top of my head. I feel like, but but you can get paid. It doesn't have to be financial pay. Yeah, right. Right. Like there's exactly. there's lots of Thank karma, you. whatever you want to call it. Right. There's lots of good. You're doing the Affinity. hardest part. Affinity. Right. You're doing the hardest part. Yeah. There's tickets to make the Kraken game. Blah blah blah. Who wants to go watch the Kraken? I want to watch the Kraken. They are. No, well, I'm just kidding. Red Wings. Let's go Red Wings. I, you know what? I'm a big Red Wings. You and I should have a bet on the Red Wings Kraken game. I don't know when that is. We should. All We're right. playing the Devils coming up. All right. We promised no sports. And look, last podcast, we promised no more sports. And, and we, now we've replaced college football with NHL. Okay. This was a bit of a self-serving data point coming out of CallRail, but I really liked it and I thought I would highlight it. I was surprised at how high it was. 48%, and this is not CallRail customers, by the way, 48% of firms say call recordings help them populate intake information. That made me really happy to hear. Guy, how are you, are you working with firms to kind of listen in on those calls? Are you seeing this as a common thing? What, what does that look like? What is your experience law firms using those call recordings? So I love hearing that. And yeah. I got to tell you, my experience is that lawyers are very resistant to it. They don't yep. want to record calls that, you know, they're concerned about, rightly so, concerned about client confidences and that kind of thing. I think there are ways to actually implement that you can protect yourself uh, and do it ethically and effectively. But it is a revolutionary impact on understanding intake being more efficient, you know, some of these software with, uh, you know, speaking of AI, will analyze the transcript and start right. to help you understand, qualify. And so it can inform your content strategy, it can inform your media buy, it can inform your ad copy, it can help you improve client experience as they navigate the journey, because you're actually using the questions and concerns of your actual potential clients and clients to inform your strategy. Game changer. So 
The key with the call recording is someone at the firm who has authority to make decisions needs to spend the time to listen to those call recordings, right? And it is a free form analysis that you have to turn into something that you're looking at on a regular basis, okay? It is if you're really spending a ton of money on marketing and you really want to know how your marketing is working for you, listen to the call recordings and let that influence your ongoing strategy. All right. After the break, we're going to talk more chat GPT and uh, spoiler alert, it worked for SEO. We'll get into that in 30 seconds. Welcome back. Conrad, everybody wants to talk about it. We talked about it last episode and it's back and I, I it deserves a little more of our attention. Chat GPT. Tell yeah. me what you know. So when we initially report on this, A, it was, it was really fascinating. It was quite amazing how well-written bad information could be presented, right? And the, our first take on ChatGPT was it writes things in a very understandable way that are completely false, that can be completely false. And it's, it, it's made more difficult because we're dealing with legal. And legal is difficult because it changes by jurisdiction. There's specificities that people need to understand. And so there was an accuracy issue, although the writing itself at a eighth grade level was quite surprisingly good. Since that has come out, I have spent, I was watching college football when it hit my awareness, and I spent most of the game actually messing around with ChatGPT and being amazed, I have continued to play around with this. One of the, the reports was Google does not like ChatGPT, does not like artificially generated content, and they specifically called it out as being spam. And Guy and I had this conversation about like, well, maybe the content that it's, it's, it's delivering is better than the garbage that a lot of you guys have on your websites. Doesn't that fall into Google's stated desire? And so why, why do they have an issue? I have since spent a lot of time working on ChatGPT, messing with ChatGPT, understanding how it is working. And I will tell you this, either Google doesn't know how to identify AI-generated content or they don't care. I think it is the former, but AI-generated content is doing an amazing job at generating inbound traffic if you know how to use it. And if, so these, these are, this is super, super important. None of this matters if your technology sucks and you don't have any links, right? But if you are looking to generate a bunch of content from an SEO perspective that is gonna drive traffic, there is a method to do that. And I'll give you the, the short version of that method. Although you, you've talked about using ChatGPT as, as an ide, ideation tool. Talk about that for a second. And then, I'm, and then I'll get into the, the, the method for making content that actually works. Yeah. So, you know, I think in, I don't know, it was Bankrate and CNET. And I, I know CNET had some problems. You can read these stories because everybody's super hot on the internet. This ChatGPT thing. You can see tons of stories about it. In fact, somebody else actually wrote a post about they got their article on AI detection of artificial content to rank number one for the query using ChatGPT, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. A couple of my takes on it, and Conrad, you alluded to this, but one, I would disclose that and disclaim that your content is being written, if you're going to use it, by artificial intelligence or at least assisted by artificial intelligence. Two, I would have a human editor review it especially for legal. You know, if you're going to write legal stuff, you better have a lawyer who's going to be responsible for what you're writing 
take a look at that and put their name on it. But from an ideation standpoint, right? Like this is, you know, lawyers, you might struggle even outside of the context of writing legal stuff, which is another, we'll talk about this next episode, but a lot of your best marketing has nothing to do with the law that you practice, but that's for another day. But if you need ideas, ChatGPT, you know, you can throw into ChatGPT, give me 10 different article headlines for, you know, whatever thing that you whatever topic you want to write about. ChatGPT does a pretty good job for that. And again, it's pretty benign in that context, right? You're going to use the headline. You're probably going to manipulate it, but it's pretty good because it's actually, you know, it's natural language. And, you know, some of the examples that I've looked at, I was like, you know, that's, that actually is helpful. And that actually, so that's a task that can be automated. Yep. I think you're going to see a lot of it in the chat box context. I know Tom Martin at LawDroid is doing a, uh, check out, just search for Tom LawDroid uh, and his applications for chat GPT in the um, online chat context. I think you're going to see that as a good spot for it. But again, I think, you know, look, if you're using it for publishing and you're editing it and you're disclosing that you're using it, Google changed course, as Conrad mentioned, Google changed course faster on this, or, or they, they say they just clarified. They don't say that they changed course. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Google version of chat GPT coming out in the near future. Because again, if you think about it, this is where Google wants to go. They want to be the Star Trek computer, which this feels an awful lot like. It is. I mean, Microsoft's working on this. Everyone's everyone is talking about this. I will tell you that. So as I was talking about this, I was like, wow, I better be careful. I am not doing this for my clients. OK, we are, we are not doing this for our clients. Having said that. But if your that, clients want to do it and they want some help, you'll help them with it. I will lay out the foundation of how this works, of how it is effective at generating traffic through AI-generated content. Whether or not that is a good idea, I think is yet to be seen. So at, at, in an abundance of... Yeah, buyer be, caveat emptor, right? There's my Latin for the day. In an abundance of caution, we're not doing this with clients. Having said that, as I've messed around with this, this is the method that you can use. Use ChatGPT to generate you know, a 1000 word piece of content about something that people would hire your law firm for. You then need to put human eyes on that and edit it. Okay. You need to go back and edit it. And then I would use a second, not chat GPT, but a second AI generated content tool, right? Like a grammar checking tool, like a Quillbot, for example, run it through that edit again, run it through that again, and then make sure that what you have is factually accurate. That is working. I'm looking right now at Google Analytics. I can't share this here because it's a podcast, but that is working at driving traffic. Now, and I said this before, your technology has to be awesome. Your link profile needs to be able, strong enough to support what you're doing and support the volume of content that you have. I think that is massively overlooked by most of the SEO industry, but this works. It works. I'm looking at the data that shows you that it works and it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. Watching this very, very carefully. Yep. So good thing to learn. Good thing to know some of the risks at play. What, uh, sorry, let's, but, we, did, we haven't really talked about the risks in this show, Guy. Yeah. What are the risks? Well, Risk number one is, is that if you think that Google is going to try to fight this stuff, then there's always a risk that it triggers some kind of spam fighting algorithm. We haven't seen that to be the case yet, but 
That's a risk. Two is that you publish things that are factually, legally incorrect and you have some liability and exposure if you're doing that. Three is that there's a built-in potential ethics rule violation if you imply that you wrote something and it was written by AI, that's at least misleading at best. I believe, I could be wrong about this because I haven't checked in a while. I think it applies here. But I believe California has a state law that says you have to disclose if your content is AI generated. Um, is so that the same as having can... fine law write blog articles for you? Well, they're written by humans. So <laughs> maybe if you're if you know if your human writes a blog article on your firm's behalf and you're not putting your name next to it, you know, there's that argument. But again, it, you know, it goes we we talk we've talked about this with the ghostwriting thing for years. Is it misleading if if a copywriter writes something, you review it and approve it and then publish it under your name? Is that misleading under the ethics rules? A lot of lawyers would say yes. So let me ask a clarifying question on on your point number three, which is disclosure. Is your point number three around uh, lawyers and ethics and bars, or is it around SEO and Google and penalties? Both. So okay. one of the guidelines, like one of some of the guidance that Google gave, was that you should disclose that. And so the major publisher sites who are doing this at scale, like CNET and uh, Bankrate, they both disclose. And I think for that very reason. You know, I don't know if they did it from a consumer protection issue standpoint, but I think Google did. I'd have to dig that up, but I believe Google gave guidance that, you know, and again, this is classic Google, their guidance is, well, as long as it's helpful content, we don't care if it's written by a machine or written by a human. It's like, okay, great. So just write great content. Which is the clarifying of their position on this that has happened over the last four weeks. That is a, right. that is a change. You said clarifying in quotes. That is not a clarifying. That is a reversal. I thought I read it as a reversal too. They, it's they a 100% were a reversal, right? They, qualifying. They, they made a very clear statement that AI generated content they considered spam, right? That was very, very clear. And then they have clarified this with a complete reversal that if it's helpful to humans, it's actually okay. Right. So, I, you know, look, it's powerful. And, and this is only chat GPT-3. Wait until you see what 4 is going to do. Yeah, because as AI goes, you know the corpus of input that it's getting is going to start growing exponentially, and that's where AI takes off, right? Because yeah. that's the the real advantage. And so I think you're going to it's not going to get worse. It's going to start getting a lot better, and it's going to get a lot harder to detect. Do you think it's going to get better on the factual issue? Right, like I think about I legal do. accuracy. You think it's going to get better on factual? Because there is, is that we, and I'll I'll dig this up too. But they just did a study. Um, I'm going to probably get this wrong. So if you're in, if you followed this, you can hashtag LHLM me and show me how where I'm wrong. But short version is they had a uh, AI do like a diagnosis against this large data set of like patient data. And then they had human doctors review the AI diagnosis. And the I believe that the AI got the correct diagnosis more often than the than the uh, doctors did. So this AI thing, it's I don't know. I you know, people are skeptical of it. it the, the nuance of the fact stuff is actually not as hard as people think it is, you know, especially for yeah. some um, basic questions, you know. There are all sorts of other things that go into practicing law and being a doctor that have nothing to do with just like 
the prima facie case, as the lawyers would say, which I agree with, there's a human element to practicing law right. that the AI is not there yet. But on, on getting the facts and applying the law, I think you're going to see this AI thing do a lot better than a lot of lawyers. I mean, I, you know, it's, yeah. So people, humans don't like this. Seems like especially, I can get replaced pretty easily. Especially if if you like kind of make your living on on these types of things. Writing a will? An, an, an amazing example in the medical space, AI has been able to detect the difference in gender by looking at your eyes. Okay. Now two things out of that. No human can actually do that. If you look at a set of eyes, you're incapable of ascertaining gender based on what eyes look like. And the researchers who have done this can't figure out how the AI has used eyes to figure out gender, right? Like it's, it's, it is very amazing. I've not seen that one. It's just super fascinating. I'll see if I can dig it up and throw it in the show notes. All right. Now that we have determined that Terminator is coming to take over the legal industry, we will see you in two weeks with more updates on AI. We've also got a great question about content in general and keyword stuffing that we will address. It came in for this week, but we, we had a full show, so we will address that next week. Thanks again, listeners, for dropping in for this episode of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, hosted by Conrad and Gee, not ChatGPT. <laughs> if you just stumbled across this episode, please do subscribe to receive future episodes on your favorite subscribing podcast thingy. And if you are inclined, please do leave us a review or hashtag LHLM us. And we would love to hear from you. Topic suggestions, questions you might have. We love it. We love talking about this stuff. Thanks so much. Until next time, Connor and Gee out. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Yeah, you know what's funny? I was, I was looking at the... the, the, the the uh, Capricorn thing. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I was what scanning it as I was talking. Why I was like, there... this is just fucking nonsense. This makes no Put sense at all. Yeah. all right. Why are we reading horoscopes? If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.